Zelda Volkov, and you are listening to the Oh My God podcast. This is a space where honest conversation and raw interaction takes place. In these 25 minutes, I interview badass trailblazers and industry leaders about the things that they had to overcome to achieve success. The challenges that they faced as human beings first and as industry leaders second leaving you with actionable techniques and takeaways to implement into your life immediately, taking you from where you are right now to where you want to go. This week's episode is a special one. The podcast tables are turned. Our Zelda is interviewed instead of the other way around. Her interviewer is known on Instagram as Soulpreneur Babe and off the internet as Hendy Israel. Hendy and Zelda had a fantastic interview. So much so that it was enough to fill two full episodes of content. As such, this is part two of two episodes on this subject. If you missed last week's episode, pause here, go listen, and then rejoin us. Now, over to Hindi. In my home, religion is a private matter, and nobody can tell you how to do it or what to do. It's something that you need to find for yourself. And so I think that this is like our generation, a product of seeing like people being forced to do things robotically, not knowing why they're doing it, doing it out of fear for our parents, society. So we're like, we're going to create a sacred space for our children to kind of be um, supported in finding a path that works for them. Right. Yeah. So I think that I absolutely love that. And it's so important. We don't nurture, you know, growing up, I'm saying, when I say we, I'm saying the ultra-Orthodox community or any ultra-religious community, we do not nurture personal relationships, individual relationships. In fact, we completely do everything the opposite. We completely do, we completely do not support, you know, we oppress their individual individuality. And I don't, you know, for me, it's not about shaming or or putting, uh, you know, the the religious community in, in 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 some sort of like black space. I'm just trying to really almost educate them that this is not the way to do it. Because if you understand the purpose, if you're, if, you know, you have to get very clear on the intention. If the mm. intention is to be a robot, then yeah, you're doing a good job because that's a perfect way. Because they're going to stay in line because they're afraid because they don't have a sense of self. And because they don't want to be rejected from their family. They, they want the financial support. They want the emotional support, whatever that may be. And so they're going to do what, the lip service and they're going to do everything necessary and dress. But if the intention is to nourish and curate a personal relationship with the creator, with Hashem, then that's absolutely not only not going to help it, it's doing harm. It's completely harming the relation, the individual relationship. And so I just don't understand why, why they do that because it just doesn't make any sense to me unless they're just trying to create robots. And also, I think it's so important what you said, how do you feel? That's nurturing your own trust with yourself, your own trust with your relationship with Hashem. And that should be the intention. That should be the goal with your children is that you could start to have them you know, trust themselves. Growing up extremely religious, there's no sense of self-trust. There's no sense of trust in your psyche, your own, especially for girls. You know, for guys, it might be more because, you know, they learn to become rabbis right. and they learn 
for girls especially, there is no sense of self, let alone, you know, well, how do you feel? It's not about how you feel. It's about the laws. But it all has to be a delicate balance. It can't just be about, you know, the laws and then you end up becoming, you know, an artificial robot. Yeah, I really see that. The, the biggest threat to um, religion would be individuality. Like, I remember going to Base Yaakov, like, with pink socks because I just wanted to be my own person or bigger earrings or my hairstyle a little different. And that was always so threatening to the point where in third, fourth, fifth grade, they were coming up to me being like, you are so rebellious. We see where you're going with this. And I'm like, it's just pink socks. And so it's like the biggest threat is when people aren't the same. And I think from my experience, it's like, we've been experiencing the patriarchal side of things in all areas, religion, business, um, it, 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 in the industrial revolution, there's been so much just patriarchy. And as the feminine rises, as the moon becomes as big as the sun, which is also in religious mysticism, of what is going to happen in the days of redemption, the feminine, the future is feminine. We're now going to explore religion from a more feminine perspective of let's hold sacred space. Wait, this is not a hierarchy. Let's, let's, let's make this circle. Let's ask people how they feel. Let's create individuality. Let's, let's create space for expression, for, for challenging the status quo, for creativity, for people creating their own paths. It's no longer this man said something. We all need to do it the same. And if not, one is better than the other. So that's an old model that won't work for the for the female revolution of the feminine within us all. So you're just, you're just that, you're just, you're one of those trailblazer women and also in your entrepreneurship, but also the fact that you have broken the mold and created your own path and having conversations like this with your children. This is like the future of female within Judaism. Right. And I also want to say that it's so, it's not easy at all, at all. And I still deal with a lot of, you know, my parents' anxiety and their, you know, and, it, and it's interesting, there was a shift, you know, when I was younger, and I want to say this again, because I think it's very important, that I in no way um, want to put, you know, people that are religious or put like a black mark on, on ultra-orthodoxy. I think a lot of people have pure intentions and there are a lot of good in there, and but it could be very dangerous if, if, it's manipulated and if it's controlled and if there's no sense of self. And I know that a lot of people grow up very religious and they don't feel this. So obviously this is not for them. This is for the people that do grow up religious and do feel no sense of self, that do feel no sense of um, autonomy, which is so, so, it's our primal need to have a sense of autonomy. So um, I want to say that even, you know, even now that I'm so on my, own path and literally nothing could get in my way. You know, I'm very much, um, I understand my purpose. I understand my mission. I understand my life and nobody, nobody's going to be able to manipulate me to stop. You know, this is really my path and my purpose. And I really do try to come at, come at it with love because I understand the anxiety and the pain and the suffering that people in that mindset feel and it's legitimate and it's you know and it's they're not coming from 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 hate they're coming from pain and from fear so you know there's no reason to come at it with anger for me I'm saying because I understand that you know like for example my parents I understand that they're 
I'm going to disappoint, you know, it's a disappointment to them because it's not the way they view the world. It's not the way, they, it's not their, their, their perspective on the world. So I really had to reconcile the fact that I am going to absolutely disappoint them because my lifestyle is different to them, but that does not mean in any way that I have to disrespect them. And I think that's such an important thing because a lot of people can't really tell the difference or don't really know the difference or don't even know that there is a difference to be made because they're so sad and they're so upset and hurt that their parents don't accept them. So they just, you know, completely, um, you know, feel that their parents' feelings are irrelevant. So I think it's very important to make a distinction between disappointment and disrespect. Um, and I think that's with any relationship, you know, with co-parenting, with, um, there's, you know, when people hurt us, we, we tend to retract or retrieve or, or do, you know, have revenge or give silent treatment or not want to, and so, you know, not want to like come, come, come together or see anything with a, with a joint collective space. And I think it's so important that we just want to get clear on our intentions. What is the point of this relationship? What is the point of, uh, what, what, what's my point? What is my goal? And when we do that, it's so much easier to come at it from a much more peaceful, um, ex you know, perspective and full of love. Wow. Yes, I, I totally agree. And it's interesting to say that because I know I have a religious wound. And when someone has a religious wound, then we're like, the anger that comes up for me in terms of like the robotic patriarchy, hierarchy, my way's better, this path, Hasidu, Litvak, um, ultra orthodox, this, you know, all the different sects um, of religion. So the thing that when I feel like anger coming up for me, it's more than just my anger. I feel like it's thousands of co it's collective anger of the religious wound because for me, like, there's, there's sexual trauma, there's emotional trauma, there's mental trauma, and there is religious trauma because all we want is to be close to God. Remember being that little girl that just wants God to love you? And for someone to teach you that you could go to hell or that you could be not good enough or that you're dirty if you touch a boy or, you know, we'll, we'll say something is wrong with you, then that for me was like, is still one of the deepest wounds that I'm healing because that's the religious wound. And that's why like this conversation needs to be had with everyone. And it's not something that can be avoided. So even though we, I, I love and respect, um, you know, so many ultra orthodox or ultra orthodox people, if one were to say that this conversation is not important or that most, because I believe that most religious females are tapping into the patriarchy within religion and they kind of had enough of the aguna, of calling your husband. Like in Israel, I'm an entrepreneur. So the, hu the husband in Hebrew is called a ba'al, which means owner. So when I use the word ba'al, people are like, what? No, you mean you're ben zuk. Like people don't really use that word anymore. They're very sensitive that you cannot be owned, um, that nobody can own you. So there's this patriarchy going on that I think collectively most most religious females are waking up to it. And that is what is attracting them so much to everything that you're sharing and the support that you're receiving from the religious community because there is so much truth in this conversation. There are so many people that are hurt, wounded, and this is not a one-size-fits-all religion. 
this is a way of life that you can create to make it work for you. Like you said, like from taking breaking Shabbos to keeping it differently, like when I gave myself that freedom, so much opened up for me. So much like to know like what Shabbos means to me is to be present for my children, right? To, 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 to family time, to be off the screens or whatever that means to me, it didn't no longer mean the 36th commandment that I have to be so careful not to do. So if my child's afraid and doesn't want to, you know, go to sleep in his own room at night, I totally give him the permission. If you are afraid, then God wants you to turn that light on. God does not want you to be scared. No God is sitting in heaven being like, listen, little seven-year-old you should be very afraid and go to sleep like that fear that's given so it's like there's a lot of religion and i think that um you know at the end of the day there are the rules and there are all those rules um i think that when it comes to um religion and when it comes to faith the the reason why we get it wrong in my opinion is because a lot of these rules have to be self like self-governed yet we don't we don't have that autonomy we don't have that you know if someone wants to suppress their desires if someone wants to um do something for hashem if somebody it's not something that could be externally enforced that's not authentic religion it's not authentic faith it's not authentic you know authentic um relationship a relationship with hashem is truly a relationship and i think that parents struggle like they like parents struggle with anything you know nothing even to do with religion any kind of parent secular not jewish they struggle with control how to balance what what they want to enforce versus you know you know the freedom that the child gets to um gets to express on their own and i think the same is true with religion maybe even worse so because parents that are religious really feel like this is the absolute truth this is life or death you know, it's like the same way you won't let your child jump out the window because it's dangerous. They really feel that you cannot allow your child to, to you know, break Shabbos because it's his life or death with his soul. So if you go into that mindset, you understand why they're so serious and why they're so strict and why they're so afraid. But the one thing that they don't understand, I think, is that if, if, a, if a parent knew that, you know, I'm trying to bring it back to the window situation. If a parent knew that it was going to be 100% likely that when the child gets older, because uh, the mother never let them open the window, that the child, once he gets a certain age of, you know, not caring what the, what the mom thinks, he's for sure going to jump out of the window and kill himself, then probably the mother is going to try to find different tactics and to avoid the window mm-hmm. situation you know maybe she's gonna make it you know give him some freedom on the porch or whatever it is she's gonna try to get creative so that he's not gonna 100 percent kill himself off the porch when he turns 18 you know Which and i think we that, all <laughs> yeah i think we all do if we want if we really if it's important to us you know not everybody is on a, a self-evolved self-developed journey most people are not and so if someone is more intuitive and someone cares more about their soul, their purpose, who they are as an individual, they're likely going to jump out of the window when they're 18 if they weren't allowed that kind of, to exercise that kind of freedom when they were younger. And again, it sounds harsh. Obviously, any parent would 
not allow their child to play with, you know, an open window, of course, because that's absolute truth. And that's the difference between religion and physical truth. It's yeah. absolutely true that if your child got, you know, if a child, if a child, God forbid, plays with a window, that they're going to fall. And if that, mm. that's hardcore data evidence, you know, like this, this yeah. phone, it's a physical phone. It's hard. It's, it's absolutely true. There's no, nobody going to say it's not physical, but when it comes to religion, when it comes to things that are of the mind, when it comes to things that are of a personal experience and an emotion and an energy, when there's no hardcore data, even though we have the Torah, it's still not a hardcore data that it's from Hashem. So when it comes towards things like that, when we're raised with it as the absolute truth, rather than this is a relative truth that you need to go experience and make it your own absolute truth, that's the difference. That's so beautiful. And it reminds me a little bit of the problems of like, where I wasn't, let's just say, taught sex education. I was just told you're not allowed to touch boys. So what happens if you are going to, if you have no choice, but you have a magnetic pull to the masculine energy, which is what happens to me at like 12 years old. I was in a base Yaakov in eighth grade and I was really sexual things with boys because I already got kissed. I already got touched. There was no conversation as to how do you feel? Well, it feels right to you. It was just so much. Oh God, I touched the boy. Might as well go to third base. Might as well have sex. Feel so much shame. It's just this cycle of zero conversation, zero giving the power over to the individual. I love what you said. What a breakthrough to self-govern their own relationship with Hashem, with the Torah, and with the laws. Because nobody's keeping 100% of the laws. We are all just keeping what we can and making things work for us. It doesn't matter how orthodox you are. It is impossible to keep all the laws. It's just impossible, especially in this age. And then the ones so, that we do, the ones that we do, we enforce on others. The right. ones that we don't, we're like, oh, you know. And I understand that. Because so the world is a mirror. Yeah, so that we become, we serve these people that raise us right. or the people that are in our circles that, that do the rules a certain way and that are lenient about a certain thing. So we're serving them. You know, it's not even, a, it doesn't, it's okay, not God, You're going to love this. You know what I just realized? I used to not be able to read Aisha's Kyle because to me, it just sounded like a woman in the kitchen that was like serving everyone else. And it sounded horrible to me. But no recently I picked up Aisha's Kyle and it was like, this woman's a fucking entrepreneur. She's waking up. She's selling things to merchants. She's bringing home the bread. She's dressed in finest clothes. Her husband's praising her at the gates because he's sitting on his ass talking to her because she's a billionaire, man. Like, this was such an epic moment for me. I'm like, I always loved Asia Skyline. Yeah. You know, we can always come back and it will have a different meaning to us when we're ready. And this is the personal experience that we get to explore within religion that if someone doesn't let you have that, they're taking away your relationship with God. They're taking away your right to build a relationship with the Torah on your own terms. Self-govern. I love that. Okay. That's amazing. I know that, um, I know that you're busy. Yeah. Sorry. We're, we're having, we're okay, having a problem with our connection. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Um, it, by the way, it's so amazing. You're in Israel. I'm in Florida. It's amazing how we can connect. Um, I do want to say that, what did I, oh, it's so amazing how you could hear something or see something. And then a few years later, a few months later, 
a few weeks later, it will it will completely ring in a different light, or you'll you'll see it in a deeper way. It's I get fascinated about that all the time. Like I'll even record a a, a session with someone, a Zoom, and then I and then when I listen to it, once it's all edited, um, I hear something. Even though I'm talking to the person and I'm engrossed in the conversation, I'll be like, oh, I didn't real. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Like it, that, it, it's so, it, it's like a gift. Like it's the, it's the nicest thing to feel. So interesting. I love it. So I know that you are a busy entrepreneur. So I just have like one or two last questions for you. And then if people really love the podcast, maybe we can do this again. So my first question is just how do you balance motherhood and entrepreneurship? It's so hard. Or is it easy? I don't know. Maybe you're a magical woman. No, it's absolutely not easy at all it's really not and for me the hardest part is really not the physical it's my mind it's very mm-hmm. difficult for me to compartmentalize my stuff and the things i need to do and even the the different you know stress related or issues or challenges you know that come through and then to sit and really be present with my children that to me is the hard it's probably going to be the single hardest thing yeah. of my life forever Yes, that's my biggest, my biggest lesson too. How to be present for the children. Right. Especially being a single mom. So it's, you know, when I'm with them, it's not like I could even feel better, you know, that, oh, okay, they're with their father right now. It's like, I really take on all of the emotional, you know, but I don't like to just have guilt without actually doing anything about it. You know, I feel like we, we tend to carry around guilt and then it doesn't actually do anything for us. It doesn't actually benefit the situation at all. It just makes us worse, you know, it makes us feel Mm -hmm. worse. So it makes us actually operate worse. But what I really try to do is really, first of all, have quality time with each one individually. So that really makes me feel better and it makes them feel amazing. And it really gives us, you know, it really connects us. So our our relationship really uh, builds this way. So once a week with each one individually and, um, and then when I do, when I am with them, you know, and I'm, again, I'm not with them all day because I do have so many things that I'm doing. Um, but when I am, you know, what I'm saying with them, meaning they're, we're in the same household, but I'm saying I'm not present with them. So I don't consider that, um, you know, with them. But when I am, you know, dinner or breakfast, um, you know, or by bedtime, by baths, when we sing Shema, like I'm really just engrossing myself in the moment and completely deleting almost whatever else is going on in my head and so it's almost like a meditative experience for me because it's very difficult I have so much going on in my head all the time um so that has been really a game changer and I'm not so good with it all the time but it's definitely something that I'm always actively working on that the the weekly um the weekly one-on-ones time one-on-one And then, yeah, and then like dinner, bedtime, uh, baths, yeah. I love that. You're such an amazing, Aisha's child. And you know what really helped me? Learning my kids' love language. I know that one likes quality time, one likes gifts. So I'm like super busy, not present. I'll just buy him a gift. And one likes physical touch. So I'm like, all right, cuddle my bed. So finding their love language has really helped me. Um, Okay, 
I know you have a group coaching, as do I, which is so cool. Um, and so once someone goes through your six-week coaching, what are some of the results that they achieve? Because I believe that anyone that's listening to their podcast for sure wants to know more about what you can offer them and maybe join. Yes, of course. So my six-week course is really um, a self-reflective and self-guide for you, like a self-evaluation where we go through um, a process. So the first two weeks, first of all, it's based on my W3 method that I kind of created a curriculum to really get really clear um, so that you can actually get results. So the W3 method is based on the first W, which is on your worth. You know, we talk mm -hmm. all about how, you know, you're, you know, everything that you are deserving of and your worth and, you know, raising awareness on everything there is to know about our beliefs and everything that holds us back. Um, and so we get really clear on our worth and raising awareness and elevating our consciousness. And then the second two weeks, we go through the wheel of life and we get very clear on each category of our life on what our limiting beliefs are on each category, you know, that we are stuck in, in each category, what, um, what our vision is for the category, what our new and empowering beliefs are, why it's important for us. And then, uh, we really get clear because it's all interconnected. All of our categories are so interconnected. And when we're not aware of this, it's like, as if, you know, we're just like floating, we're just like taking the world as it comes and we're totally not, um, operating at, at an optimal level at all. And then the final two weeks, we get really clear on strategy, how to automate the habits and how to really kick ass and really show up as your truest, highest version of yourself. So it's an amazing program. And what's also really good about it is that um, it's really so good for community. You know, everyone is in it together and we have a Facebook group and we hold each other accountable. Um, it's really beautiful. That sounds amazing. It sounds right up my alley. And anyone who's listening to these podcasts, Ali, that's for sure. Um, okay. And who is your favorite female entrepreneur? Oh, my favorite female entrepreneur. Um, so right now, and again, it's always hard to pick because it's just whatever pops into my head. But right now, I'm really, really obsessed with this woman. Her name is Lisa Nichols. And she's um, a motivational speaker. She's not, I mean, I, she is an entrepreneur because she has businesses and she's yeah. kick ass. And she's really a story of like revival, rebirth. And that's what I love. She really was in the pits. You know, she was really in an abusive relationship, poor, you know, single mom. And mm -hmm. she totally, totally transformed her story. And she's so powerful and so incredibly real and authentic um and anybody who listens to her will be 100 percent uplifted check her out lisa nicole's i'm definitely going to check her out sounds familiar so i may be following her um thank you so much for your wisdom for your time for your vulnerability for showing up without knowing who i am and i i can you feel the sparks like we're so gonna hang out amazing i'm gonna definitely you you're coming onto my podcast by the way, if anybody wants to listen, the Oh My God Podcast is really some good stuff there too. Which is such a good name. Oh My God Podcast. Oh My God is such a good name. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh My God Pod. Yeah. So I definitely absolutely love this conversation. Thank you for sharing with me as well. And when I'm in Israel, we're definitely going to connect for sure. 
before that, that wherever your destined next destination is, that they know. which is why I'm saying that but yeah yes no I'd love to meet you somewhere like in the Maldives or in Costa Rica oh. like I'm all about female entrepreneurs going on vacation together taking things to the next level by the way I didn't even mention but I'm creating a festival in Costa Rica that's why I just realized that's why um, you, yeah it, it's literally for them. it's for everything we're talking about so we're, we're I mean, yeah. involved. I ha you should be involved in it. So I will. I'm in. I'm in, girl. I'm in. I got a whole tribe. I teach entrepreneurship, mindset, Kabbalah manifestation, orgasmic manifestation. Let's do it. Wow. Yo, hello. We're going to do this. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. This was oh a my God. Thank you for coming on. Love you, girl. To many more. Yes. That's the math. Thanks for tuning in to the second half of this incredible interview. We really hope that you enjoyed it. Of course, if you missed the first half, please feel free to go and find it anywhere you find your podcasts, listen to it, and get the full story. We can't wait to see you next week when Zelda interviews another badass boss.